Friday. Who doesn't love Fridays? <laughs> I love Fridays more than I've ever loved them my entire life. Because we're putting you to work now. Because I've never done Monday through Fridays ever. And now it's like, oh my God, I got two days off. I can just feel the sympathy through the airwaves from all of our listeners. And I'm so excited on Fridays. I don't know if you guys noticed the pattern around here, but I, I, I like to bring in food on Fridays. I've enjoyed the pie. Fresh and it's, pizza pie. And if, I, if I'm going to be, I got to be honest with you, I have a sense of I'm going to be a little sluggish because I inhaled, I think, one whole pizza myself. I got to say, first off, I, I love the slang that you use to describe your love of food, which is, I take my groceries seriously. Very seriously. <laughs> and we're, well, I'm Greek, though, right? So in no particular... How are you not a big fat guy? In, in no particular order, it's air, water, and groceries. That's it, eh? The priorities. It, well, hey, I tried to chip in today. What, brought some Tim Beebs into the building. One of your, one of your pies had corn on it, Kiffer. That's a good well, pie. Here, here's the problem. What was on that pie? I didn't have any because I ate I, right I, before you brought it. it, it there's feta, a, it, tomato, it, ham. Yeah, there's um, pizza across the street. I don't know what it's called, Pangos or something. I don't know. So <laughs> I go Panago in there and I'm thinking, crushed. okay, I'm going to go get a, uh, a pizza. And he's like, uh, uh, two mediums for 20 bucks. And I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Giddy up. <laughs> and then I'm like. Okay, on this special, like, yeah. uh, I'm just allowed, like, one or two uh, toppings. And he goes, he says, he looks at me and goes, unlimited. Oh. And I'm like, unlimited? That's how I ended up with corn. <laughs> I, just, I just wouldn't shut up. I'm like, unlimited? What else? Fried ants? Put them on. <laughs> well, it was, it was a good And now pizza. I can't move. Oh, my guts are, like, I'm I, had, struggling here. I had some beef masala from downstairs. I had... Coffee. I had a hundred Tim Beebs, two right. slices. The boys are we will pull gut rot. We'll, going pull, on. we'll pull it together here. So Sammy, you didn't go to the Raptor game last night no. because if you did, you would be ineligible to play uh, a CFL game. Yeah. What, What's the story? Yeah. Okay. What is that story? You started so, briefly on it. So yeah, Bethel Thompson apparently is the name of the quarterback for the Argos. I'm not, you know, gun to my head. I know those two parts of his name. He was encouraged by MLSE to go to the game to promote. The, the big matchup they have this week in the East Finals against the Hamilton Tiger Cats at BMO Field. So he went and he promoted the event, uh, did a t uh, TV interview during the Raptors broadcast, and turns out sporting events are part of the COVID protocol that if you go there, you have to be in quarantine for four days. And before four days, uh, the Argos play on Sunday. So now they're saying that he can't practice, but if he has a bunch of negative tests, he's going to be eligible to play on, on Sunday. So... MLSC probably was like, hey, yeah, he's going to play, guys. So they, <laughs> yeah. uh, they figured it out. So he's probably going to play if he's negative test. But, man, what a story. I do love that during these difficult COVID times, when things are inconvenient, we're able to bend the rule. Just bend the, bend the rule a little bit. So <laughs> okay, Bethel first, Thompson's playing at BMO Field, which will surely be 85% Ty Cats fans. Is that a thing? First of all, oh, yeah. mission accomplished because that's the most we'll ever talk about CFL. <laughs> Or anybody in general. That, that that ended up being actually good publicity. Even better than the, probably the 30 seconds he gave them on the TV interview. I lived uh, in King West for nine years, and I just found out they play at BMO Field from Sam today. I've, I've been to a few games down there. It, it's fun. Beautiful, okay. Beautiful. On a nice summer night down there, beautiful. Uh, when it's minus five outside, probably not as beautiful. I'm a little older than you guys, 
but once upon a time, man, it was a big deal to go down yeah. to the Exhibition Stadium. I'm not I talking Sky Dome. When I was a kid, it used to be a thing for me, too. It was Toronto-Hamilton, 50000 Can't buy a ticket. Pretty cool. And Gretzky was You guys want a nice tie? For a long time. Diehard Hamilton uh, Tiger Cats fan, Kyle Dubas. Really? Huge fan. Oski Wee Oski Wee says it all the time. Big, big uh, Thai Cats and WWE. But, yeah, that's <laughs> those are his things. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more okay with the Thai Cats thing than the WWE thing. Oh, yeah, like legit hardo. Yeah, I remember that when it, when it was, like, here a little while ago yeah. before the pandemic. He was big into the wrestling. That kind of tells me all I need to know. But, anyways, continue. <laughs> Any wrestling takes? None. I got none. <laughs> I got none. I, I, I went through my wrestling thing uh, in the uh, late 80s. Saturday nights, Hulk, all of it. Never did it. Did you ever? Like, apparently, you used to be big at Maple Leaf Gardens. You ever go? Oh uh, no, neither did I. No, I didn't. But uh, you know, the funny story about that was Harold Ballard used to burn the garbage underneath uh, the building to make it super hot during those wrestling matches, so everybody would race to the concession stands, <laughs> Just, <laughs> sell peanuts, and <laughs> raise the heat. Smart owner, love it. Very Absolutely smart owner. It. All right, we, we got a few, 10 minutes to talk Leafs before we get to you, your, your we, we, we went through this yesterday. There's nothing bad you can say. Everything is perfect. Leafs and, are sick. End so of show. Just leave it alone. 15 and two uh, in their last 17 games. They've outscored everybody like 61-29 in that span. Like, what, what more can you say? <laughs> I you hope got, something because we're at, we're at three oh six here. Was so it, was it an event, eventful practice today? You know what, Nick? It was. Yes. Well, tell we us something. about it, JB. We got something. Um, no, I mean not not that big a deal. Mitch Marner and Jake Muzzin they had themselves a little lovers quarrel on the ice. Now I think this happened earlier in the season where Marner ran into Wayne Simmons. But so here's our injury updates. Here's what we need to know about the Toronto Maple Leafs. You can uh, pick and choose if any of them are worth talking about to you. Marner is going to be okay. It sounds like he's going to travel with the team to Minnesota despite this. This, this is the second time that's happened, right, uh, to Marner? He has left practice earlier. And yeah, this is a thing, apparently. People got a full panic, and then he, gets he was fine. Upset. Was it he's opening fine. night? Uh, I think so, It actually, was before yeah. opening night, so, and everyone was all. At some point when one of your friends isn't enough, like, has enough issues, maybe relationship ones, you're like, maybe you're the problem. Maybe Mitch is the problem. <laughs> well, he's flying around. Uh, Morgan Riley, x-rays. Um, from the, the previous game, they, he's cleared. He's going to travel the team to Minnesota. Andre Kasha is back on the line with uh, David Camp, which is exciting. Ilya Mikheyev back in action. Had his first full practice. Depth galore. And as Peter Mrazek goes down to the AHL to get some AHL games and gets ready to return to the lineup, uh-oh, Kipper, salary cap issues, ahoy, like real ones. Yeah, we, we got into this a little briefly yesterday, but uh, it – Maybe it just comes to what two, three weeks ago when we started first hearing word of uh, Hall or Dermot maybe being available in a trade, but you start you start adding up the uh, the salary cap here, and there's a real sense that they're gonna, they might have to drop what a million, a million and a half. Yeah, when he uh, when Mrazik's back, so where where's that going to come from? Well, that's a great question. You know, one of the things that we had talked about was like if Hutchinson, Wool, Anderson, and Clifford all get sent down to the Marlies, they still need room. So at that point, let's say that happens, then you have to consider sending down Timothy Lilligren or waving Engvall, which risky, someone probably picks him up. So, so trading Engvall or trading um, Mikheyev or trading Hall or Dermott. 
like some if everyone's healthy here after the Mirazic conditioning stint, someone's got to go. The place that you can't go is really defense because well, there's just so good. But there's no depth. Somebody's going to get hurt. Someone's going to catch COVID. Something is coming with 60 games to go. So where are you going to go and now trade Dermot and, and Hull if you can't replace them with something adequate, which would be $2 million? I was going to say, there's no savings on Dermot possible. What's he make, 1.4 or something like that? Like, you So Clifford off of a million dollars, is that enough? Angville's 1.25, is that, will that be enough? Or maybe it, maybe it has to be two, two that come off the cap. Well, someone's got to come back, you know, in terms of you need 7D. You know, I, I think in this day and age, you can't just go ahead with six. So, you know, what I think probably happens is they keep Mrazek down basically as long as they can till they find some sort of suitable trade. Right, and then let's say they, they can't find something soon enough and he has to come up. Well, then, yeah, you're looking at sending down Timothy Lilligren, which, you know, you, at that point, you just show him the salary cap sheet and say, look, it's not about your play. We just literally don't have room right now. But it's tight. We'll, we'll get into this with Doug McLean, former NHL president, GM, head coach. and uh, why, not, why not just Angval? Just cut the cord here. But he's making 1.25, Still, you know. Put him on the waiver, see what happens. What's the worst thing that could happen? See, I'm... He's getting I'm, claimed. Yeah, I'm not quick on that, Sammy. He's playing third-line minutes right big now, looking body, pretty good. Big body that can skate, take space up. I'd like him to lean on a few more people, but I could certainly work with him in the next 60 games to get there. But I can't find a guy necessarily like Engvall out there that can skate like that and... Kill penalties? Shoot the sneaky one into the net here and he, there? He, if, if he's more consistent, he is a wear and tear type of guy to win two or three rounds in the playoffs. He's the ultimate guy that might have one blackout game for you in the second round. It's going to like, you know, the, uh, what was his name from Dallas that had the Kiviranta? Yeah. Yoel Kiviranta scores a hat trick randomly for the Stars. He's, he's your random guy that can do that. Could Wayne Simmons go down and then come, at, come back up when you need him? If you wave Wayne Simmons, does someone claim him? Yes. If the second year doesn't scare him off, will yeah, he not will he him. not pull a Jason Spets and say, I'm I'm not going anywhere? Wayne's probably like, I'm collecting that second year of paycheck yeah. regardless, man. It's nine hundred K. I mean, it's a palatable number. I, I don't think anyone's gonna and what he's given them, I mean, if you're a oh, you man, know, great a, value. If you've been a pro scout watching the Leafs this year and you're seeing what he's been giving them on the fourth line, I think that he gets claimed pretty quickly, yeah. So there's no no super easy solution. You know, we've talked about Nick Ritchie, but you know, you'd have to probably attach something to Nick Ritchie, would you not? Yeah, I don't know if anyone's going to touch Nick Ritchie at $2.5 million, but that, see now, if if Ritchie was probably in a place where he, well, it's hard to, he still scored, what, 17 goals for Boston last year? 15, yeah. But Nick Ritchie should probably be in, the, in that same ballpark as everybody else, which is roughly between 1.2 and 1.5. Even 1.7 would have been better than the the 2.5 right now. They're just so, it's just so unfortunate that they are in so tight against the salary cap that any inefficient player gets killed. Because I think Richie has kind of found a home on the fourth line where, you know, he's playing less, expectations are lower, he he looks fine in that role. But again, it's the inefficiency of the value of, of the actual contract. 
doesn't quite add up. Also joining us on the program, Mike Russo from The Athletic and a Minnesota Wild writer. And he's going to tell us why we should be paying a lot more attention to Minnesota Wild. And we're going to tell him uh, that's probably not reason enough. <laughs> you know, we, yeah, we had to have Russo on because that's what we know about them. What is, this team, I, what do they have to do, JB, to grab our attention or uh, get some notoriety? I, I don't know, get in a bar fight or something. <laughs> I, I, rebrand. Rebrand? Rebrand. Like, you the whole think thing has been they need offensive players, but, like, they kind of have some, but it's Kaprizov and Ryan Hartman as, and Eric Seneca. Whenever I think of them, I go back to, like, the first impression of when they had, when like, the Jacques Demer, like, the shutdown team that never scored, but, you know, upset the Colorado Avalanche back in the day, and they're just this boring. Yeah, they're just, like, this boring team. And now they're not boring. They're legitimately one of the better teams in the NHL, and still no one really cares. Fourth in the NHL in goals four this season, so quite good offensively. Um, Actually, their offensive numbers are really good. And Cam Talbot's been sneaky good for them, too. Yeah, he's he's done his job. In the the last little while. Based on what they're paying him, the the expectations were pretty low. He's given them, yeah, he's been been decent. 9.15 save percentage this year. And we get to add, like, come on, like, is there a better nickname than Kirill the Thrill? And you're still not excited about Minnesota Wild? It feels like they're trying to get us. It is. It's unfortunate. God, I hope they don't put the Leafs to sleep and end this amazing run that they're on. It's possible. They're beating everyone. They're on a five-game winning streak, too. Dueling five-game winning streaks heading into this one. Really similar records. Like, they're two of the premier teams. Dare I say, two Champions League teams uh, going against each other. Kirill Kaprizov is fifth in the NHL in scoring right now. 28 points just behind old Kadri there. I mean, so he's pouring the puck in the net, and his his boy Ryan Hartman is up there in shots. Like, they got a couple of guys, but it ends there. I'm I'm trying too hard to sell them. Leafs don't stop there. They had to Winnipeg on the weekend, and that's a team that's trending in the wrong direction. Yeah, I'm... Glad we have Doug coming on. Are we going to ask him about Winnipeg at all? Does that interest you to, with Doug? About I the don't know. Situation? I, I told you. I, I tweeted just before the show that he is now, like he's in full mode, rubbing it in my face retirement. Like he'll take pictures on the beach. He'll. He's telling me now it's yoga now twice a week. Hardest <laughs> thing he's ever done his whole life, he said. In his defense, yoga's brutal. Brutally hard. Have you done yoga? I've, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it, he says. I've, yeah, I've seen it. I've watched it. Um, participated in a few moves. Actually finished a class. No. Yeah. I no. got kicked out of a yoga class because um, I was too competitive. Because I was just so bad at it. And I was like, oh. Like trying to do these things. I was like, oh. And she's like, you're really hurting the energy Too in here. competitive. Are you? you yeah, I got kicked out. out. I did. There's I did. No, there's no finish line. No, no, I know. I was too, like, it's just too hard. Like, I'm I'm a lanky, unbalanced dude. I'm trying to do these, like, downward dog and warrior pose or whatever. And I was, like, well, falling over. I was like, oh, oh exactly. <laughs> she kicked me out. She, she shit me. Can, can you show us right now the downward dog? No. You know what I mean? Just explain that. it to us, please. Uh, bite in the air. That's all I got for you. <laughs> I gave it a crack for a while. It's uh, you know, it's it's hard. I don't know what to tell you. Did, you. did you catch that pun? I did. Yeah, that was pretty good. And not bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure Doug will explain it all to us uh, coming up momentarily. And I want to ask him too. First thing I want to ask him too about is is, is Jack Campbell. And it, it, listen, 
It's not, it's not going away anytime soon. I, I don't believe for one second that everybody's just hunky-dory thinking that uh, we'll deal with this at the uh, end of the season, and I'm, I'm speaking of his contract. Yeah. I just I, – I sense of, uh, a, a bit of urgency here to, to not have it hang over their heads. I just can't imagine a worse time to negotiate with a guy like he is flawless right now. Like he's, he he can even say that he stayed healthy through a run of games with a a lot of usage, like everything you worry about with him. He answered the bell. He came back and did it again after last year. Tough time to talk money with him. Mac, before we get into Jack Campbell, uh, okay. What the hell is a downward dog? I'll tell you what I am. I am heavy into yoga. It's not hot yoga. <laughs> what it, the hell does not, that mean? Just a minute. It's not hot yoga. It's it's regular yoga. I, I've been three weeks now. My heart rate was up to 151 yesterday doing doing yoga. And the, finally, though, the, the lady next to me, I'm in with like quite a few women and a few guys, and she said to me, she looked around and said, you know, if you take your Nike high tops off, it's a lot easier to do the balance. <laughs> and I looked around. I was the only person in the room with my shoes on. So I went bare feet yesterday, and I, my balance was so much better. It was unbelievable. So much better. So that's all you have to do is actually pay attention. Well, and I said to the girls next to me on each side, I said, listen, it's not that I'm staring at you guys. It's that I can't lift my head to see the instructor, so I, <laughs> I follow what you guys do. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but anyway, by the way, yeah. I just got a call. I just got a call before we come on the air. A buddy of mine in Halifax is in line at Indigo trying to buy his wife a Christmas present. I said, what are you getting her, a nice diamond? He said, no, I'm getting her Undrafted. Oh, undrafted. Thank you very much. So, so I'm just I'm always working to try and help you. You know, you're you're in my Never good books. You're, you're selling my book for me. Thank you. Yes. Right in right yes. at the holiday season, I had JB read a bit of a, a piece from it the other day. You're more than welcome to pick a chapter next time you're on the show and and just read to <laughs> us. Oh no! What sold it? What sold it to him was that I I had done the forward. That's why he wants to get it. <laughs> it always comes back to you. That has not changed in thirty years. Okay, hockey mm-hmm. talk. That's the only reason mm-hmm. why we really have you on the show. Right, right, um, right, right. I, I, right. I want to start with the Jack Campbell story, which has turned into a major one for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and it's a good story, but it's one that you know for for Leaf fans. You know, regardless of, of how the season goes, could this be another Zach Hyman scenario one year later? Because, Mac, this time last year with Zach Hyman, it would be like, he'll never get that. He's not worth that. He's not going anywhere. Why are we talking about this? And then he's gone. Is, is that the well, feeling right now with Jack Campbell? Well, for me... Hyman did a lot more than Jack has done yet. And, and that's with all due respect to Jack. He, he's, he's been really good since he came to the Leafs. And his contract is obviously low. But this is a guy that stumbled early in his career after being a top pick. And, and now he's found his way. I mean, the Leaf, the Leaf situation has helped him. But, but how do you contend like they think they're going to contend to have a big playoff 
and have a goaltender not signed going into the playoffs. So this is a big issue. So where is he putting himself? I don't know if you've mentioned, I mean, Markstrom's numbers, I mean, 6 million. Are you serious? I mean, that is a lot of money for a guy that hasn't won a playoff round, has stumbled in his career, like Markstrom stumbled in his career before he got to Vancouver and then became a star and all of a sudden got $6 million. We know Edmonton need a goaltender. If they stumble at playoff time and Jack has a good playoff and he's not signed, Edmonton is staring them right in the face. You're right, 100%. So... Has he done enough to get that kind of money? Not for me, but where do they turn here? How do they go in with a guy like Jack Campbell into the playoffs with him not signed? If he loses in the first round, he's in big trouble. But if he has a big run and he's not signed, they're gonna, you know, there's going to be a real challenge to sign him. So it's a real tough dilemma for, for Kyle Dubas and company as to what to do, what to pay him. And to me, you don't want him as an unrestricted okay. goaltender going into the playoffs. Great. Great. Now, you, you know, you've been there before. You, you've been an executive, a general manager. What does Kyle do? What, what are they talking about right now when it comes to Jack Campbell? And how do you rectify this with the issues that you just mentioned? What, do you, what, what would you do if you were in those shoes? Well, I think the quicker you try to get it done, and, uh, you know, I looked it up overhurts his agent and every time you're getting ready to go into a negotiation as a general manager you're looking at who the agent is kirk overhart does not leave money on the table in most negotiations he is a tough negotiator so that would make me nervous that this is going to be a tough negotiation and if i'm if i'm kyle i would i would count on my relationship with jack first of all to try and get them done on a fair deal. But in all likelihood, they're going to have to pay him. Doug, there's a ton of interesting uh, ownership GM situations around the league right now. Montreal, obviously, at the front of the line for uh, interesting conversation pieces. What, what do you make of that GM job in Montreal that's waiting for someone who, you know, it, it feels like it's being talked about as a figurehead position. Would it be something that would interest you um, you know, a job that feels like you're you're almost sort of a, a front man, a bit of a puppet for for what Gordon would be doing. Well, you know, I, I don't think you look at those. There's there's very few jobs out there. Number one, and you always go into a job thinking it's going to be a good situation. Gordon, every I I don't know Gordon very well, but everything I've heard about him is that he's a real solid guy and a and a sharp guy, and he's not stupid. He he's got a He's in a big job in Montreal. He's got to get the best possible hockey guy he can get to work with him to solve and, and, and straighten out what's going on in Montreal. So he can, he, he, in my opinion, he's not looking for a puppet. He's got to find the best guy he can find because, you know, it's, it's, it's to his benefit to get a real solid guy. I know J.D., and he had a great relationship. J.D. has a lot of respect for him. I don't think Gorton is going to look for a puppet. I think he's going to look for the best hockey guy that he thinks he can have a relationship with to help right the ship in Montreal. That's what he should be doing, and I suspect that's what he will do. You don't think for one second Patrick Roy really has a chance at this, do you? I would be surprised, you know, and look uh, – Patrick's 
had a great career. I was just thinking of Patrick yesterday, that son of a gun. I mean, he ruined my career in, in when I was at the Panthers because that son of a gun came in in that trade from Quebec and, and just was so unbelievable. Uh, he's had a great career. He, you talk about a puppet. Is he qualified to be the GM of the Montreal Canadiens? Look, he's a good hockey guy. I, I really believe Patrick is a good hockey guy. But I, I will be surprised that Gorton would be looking that way. I really would be. Well, it, you know, it's a limited field, though, Nick. It's a limited field. When you've got to go with a French-speaking GM, that makes it a limited, challenging situation. And if I'm Gorton and Molson, I'm broadening the field to a lot more than just a French-speaking guy. And how do you check the box that was common on my like grade two report card that says, does he work well with others? <laughs> I think we know the answer to that one. <laughs> we were looking, uh, looking around Canada because there's actually some, you know, weird, a lot, lot of situations going on between Vancouver and Ottawa, a lot of, you know, ownership and GM situations. What, what's your take on what's happening in Vancouver and sort of the long pause to move on from Benning or Green, if they're going to do that at all? Well, you know, I, I've, I've heard that, you know, the owner doesn't want to spend more money. He just did Travis 2.75 in the summer, and he doesn't want to spend a lot more money. And I, I, I just think that I don't think Green is going anywhere. Look, that could change tomorrow, and he could be gone. But I, I, I don't know why they would go buy Travis Green right now. And, you know, is Jimmy going to survive it's a difficult situation, but that's a team. That's a team. You know, I, I, I've always been a guy that have ripped these fake GMs with these president of hockey ops. But now that I'm looking at it, maybe Vancouver could really use somebody that could help calm the waters out there. Linden, they ran him out of town. Um, they need somebody that's going to be a conduit to, to help Benning, help Travis and help Francis. Aquilini and I is at the Sedin. They don't have a lot of experience with the quality guys, but they've got to find somebody there that can calm the waters. And Ottawa, like seriously, what the hell is going on in Ottawa? You got you have a. I'm just thinking about this last night. Ottawa ends on a real high last year. They played really, they well. I mean, uh, whether you like Pierre Dorian or not, he did a good job with his picks. He looked like he had a great young group with Bathis and Norris, Kachuk, and some good young players. And the owner brings Pierre Maguire in there. Like, are you kidding me? And all of a sudden now, like, where is Maguire? Like, I, I read every day he was doing articles two months ago, and all of a sudden he's disappeared. He's, he's Waldo in the hockey world right now. <laughs> He has disappeared off the face of the earth when they haven't been winning games. So I can't believe that it's a, a great working environment with McGuire, Dorian, and Eugene well, right now with the way things are going. So I don't get this. I don't get I didn't get it when it happened, and I certainly don't get it now. And I can't believe it's a really pleasant environment right there now. Pierre McGuire in Ottawa was is is supposed to be the guy that you just spoke of Vancouver needing. And no, 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 no. I didn't speak that Pierre Maguire is the guy they need. I said, they need somebody to come in and calm the waters. John Davidson has made a career out of calming the waters. 
You know, he comes in and he lets the GM do his job. He gives him guidance. That's McGuire in Ottawa. That's what he's supposed to do. Calm the waters. Add to it. Um, yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. You don't buy it. No, no. He. You don't he, buy it. No, no. I'm not. I'm not buying it for a minute. And I, I just, I just don't get how this even ever happened. I know. I read Jimmy Devolano pushed for him to get the job, and Scotty, I'm sure, pushed Bowman, pushed to get him the job. But I'm sorry. I, when I saw it, I couldn't believe it. And from the rumblings I'm hearing in the last few weeks, it's not pretty there right now between. Dorian and Maguire, and I. You think it's true? You think it's true? They're at odds. Oh, no doubt in my mind. No doubt in my mind. Now, I think I saw Pierre sitting next to Dorian in the box when I was watching the game last night, but he had a mask on, so I couldn't tell if it was really Pierre. But I think (laughs) it must have been. Well, it's, it's for you. You've been there before. You're the general manager, and then your owner goes and brings somebody in and Maguire Dorian had nothing to do with Maguire signing. Like how often would that happen Mac in, in the NHL where the owner would have a guy come in and not at least, you know, have the blessing of, of your management team around it. Well, I don't know if you need the blessing of it, but I, but I think the way it should transpire is that if you're going to bring in, a president of hockey ops, you truly believe that he will help your general manager and your coach become better at their jobs. The last thing you need to do is bring someone in that is going to be a threat to your job. And I really believe that's the situation right now. And I, you know, they didn't give him president of hockey ops. They made him vice president of player development, whatever that is. I don't know what that even means, but it's I, to me when you're bringing in a, posi- a person in that position, you want somebody that's going to be a team guy that's going to work with your GM and your coaching staff and make it and and be a conduit between the owner and make it work. Brian Murray is a monumental loss to that organization. We know that Brian, on you know, as sad as it is that he passed away, but Brian was so critical to Dorian as a guy to deal with Melnick. And I'm sorry, I didn't like it when it happened. And right now, it's not a good situation. I watched their game last night. Thank God they won a game. They played. They didn't fold the tent when Carolina came back. But it's a sad situation there right now, in my opinion. And I don't think he's helping. That's just my own opinion. And I'm, I know I'm, I'm in yoga I'm jogging, I'm golfing, I'm not as into it as you guys are, but I'm not stupid. No, you're clear-headed, you're rested, you're the one with a good brain you're for it You're right flexible now. now. <laughs> you know? So that, that I do want to get into your experience with how like those relationships work in the front office and how decisions get made because you know, I just, I've only had a little bit of experience and at the minor league level watching Dubas and Keefe interact and how you kind of have to have your own people who are able to call your BS on things without offending you like those relationships seem so important to me am i wrong in thinking it's wildly i don't know impractical to have two people work together who one guy didn't hire like who doesn't if if dorian doesn't want mcguire's opinion can it possibly work well what happens is it's 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 no different than you you guys in your business and whatever it's trust 
if you're going to work with somebody, the number one thing is besides the knowledge that the guy has and the experience that that person should have, it's the fact that you trust him, that he's, he's there for the common good of the organization. He's there to help the GM, help the coach, and just talk them through situations that people have had a lot of experience with. You don't need an adversary in there. You don't need somebody that's going to cause problems in there. And, and that, to me, is the number one thing. And I keep going back to J.D. because I know J.D. really well, and I like J.D., and I know how he operates. He lets the people do their job, but he also is a great sounding board for the people. I really believe that, and I think that's the critical thing. And does that go back to when the hiring process is done? There's got to be a unity there. There's got to be a team feel there. And, I, I, you know, I really I, – I, I hear stuff like you guys hear stuff, and I don't think it's pretty. Sorry. They've got this huge wave of talent, and it's been a painful process – to pull out names in your organization now, like Kachuk um, and, okay. you know, uh, Norris and all these players, you know, Batherson, it took a, a lot of bad years to and trades to get these type of players in. And you know, then, and then he, you, hold on, Mac, and then you go and make yeah. a signing, a commitment of 6.25 for four years to a goaltender that you have now put on waivers and kicked to the curb. Like, how devastating is this to this group? Well, it's devastating because it, 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 it's a situation where your owner is staring that in the face and seeing this kind of money being pushed aside. So that, that makes it a tough situation. But, but here's, here's what I get a kick out of. You, you, now I'm reading the pro scouts are in trouble in Ottawa. They're, they're to blame. Well, here, here's how pro scouting works, guys. You give... 10 names of defensemen that you'd like to see signed. You give 10 names of forwards. You give six names of centermen you want to Is it the pro scouts fault that they have to get the number nine guy at his 10 man list that the idea of bringing in a president of hockey ops to work with your team is that you're also a key person to help recruit people to come and play for you. Let's not kid ourselves. If you're getting free agents in the NHL, it's a recruitment process. You've got to recruit. You've got to sell these guys. And all of a sudden, they sign a guy that's number nine on the pro scouts list, and they're in trouble. What happened to the top eight that they couldn't get, that they couldn't recruit, that wouldn't go to Ottawa? So there's a, there's a, there's a bad vibe. The pro scouts are being blamed. Murray's being blamed. You know, Dorian's being blamed. The coach is being blamed. You know, it's just a, it's just not a good situation. That's and and I think it's all about team and trust. That's what it's all about. It is that, and it wasn't supposed to be like that this year. You know, they had so much hope at the end of last season. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other team that had hope. Um, you know, one last Canadian question before um, I hand you back over to Nick is just on the Jets and Paul Maurice and his situation there. I want to get your take on like in your experience, how long you give a coach. You know, I, I don't know how things are, are playing out internally in Winnipeg, but it feels like things are souring and, and st- or at least starting to sour now that they've been on sort of a negative run. How do you judge a coach's effectiveness and when a guy has run his course uh, versus giving him the time to do his job properly? 
Well, you know, you, when you're when you're involved as a GM in the day-to-day operations, and the GM, let's not kid ourselves, he talks to the coach daily, multiple times during the day. He's with the team, and the one thing you have to get a feel for is the coach managing the room properly. And the number one thing in coaching is managing your room. Yeah, it's the technical side. We all understand that. And all the coaches in the NHL are solid technically. Their staffs are solid technically. But how is he managing the room? In other words, what is the mood? How is it going in the room? And the GM reads that pretty. Chevy Chevy would know very quickly whether Paul is in control and managing the room the way it has to be managed to win. So right now it's, it's disappointing. They got a hell of a team. Paul's a good coach. I think Chevy's a solid GM. There's been a lot of distractions with the, with the Chicago mess for Chevy. I mean, you know, but they're too good a team not to be playing better than they are right now. And Chevy, I've got to believe he's a lifer. He's got a, he's got a grip on how Paul is managing the group right now and how the veterans and everybody are working together there. That's, that's just how it, it has to work. And I look at head coaches, the number one thing of a head coach is how does he manage the group? And a lot of guys lose the group over a period of time. Chevy's, ex- Chevy's experienced enough, and Paul is, that that shouldn't happen. One more before, but it does. One more for you before I let you go for your 345 shuffleboard. Um, <laughs> your Boston Bruins, I'm, I'm trying to sell JB on the fact that I really think they're in trouble here. Yeah, I, I, you know what? It, uh, it started to unravel a little bit last year. There, they're they're a team that's in a real transition. Uh, in my opinion, uh, they've got to make some moves here. I know Jake DeBrusque wants out. I know there was a contract battle a couple of years ago there. I I think Jake will move on, and I think they've got to make some big changes. This is a team that's very very close to happen to make some major changes in their organization. And they, they better make the playoffs for Cassidy's sake. And, um, you know, it, it's, it doesn't look great right now. Um, so there's, a, there's a, a big turnover eventually coming, even player personnel-wise, with this team. All right. You good now? Feeling, I feel great. Feel relaxed. You feel like I got, I, you know what? I, I went and got my water bottle. Uh, you know, I wanted to make sure I was hydrated for this session, and I, you know, I, I feel good. This is the best you felt uh, since you were what, fifty-seven, fifty-eight? Well, you know, you know, the problem is I've I've had to go to Europe on a cruise. I've oh. had to, I was in five days in Chicago last week. I just I said to Jill, is there any way I can just be on the beach and try to relax and instead of all these trips and the RV. I mean, it's just been a busy, busy retirement. I'm really pushing hard for these guys to rehire you. Just, just no, to, no, don't. Just, don't, just don't, to get don't. you out of this this like, fantasy land you live in right now. I want you miserable well, you, you like the rest know, of us. You know that I interviewed for one of those advisor jobs last summer, and I didn't get it. And I, you knew I wasn't that disappointed. But I mean, it was kind of fun to it was kind of fun to go through the process. <laughs> Remind us again anyway. which team that was. I don't know. But they're not doing very well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go off to your pickleball or your shuffleboard or whatever the hell you old people do in Florida. 
but thanks care. for doing this, thanks, Doug McLean. Yeah, he doesn't disappoint that guy. No, I just sit back and just giggle. Oh, he's he's got opinions, that man. That was great. You, uh, what do you think of the Ottawa stuff? Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 too quiet. He's right. Yeah. He's right. Dorian or Pierre Maguire have to get out there, and they gotta get they have to get ahead of this. I don't know what it is, but I assume it'll be. I don't know. I, I I don't see them going out and just doing a regular press conference. So, what is it? Is it a one-on-one interview? Is it uh, a podcast? What, what somebody's got to come out and say something. Maybe they could call uh, Boretsky, or what, I could never say that guy's name. Mark Bor- Borowetsky. Borowetsky. Maybe they could call him back to do the interview. Remember that? Oh, when, he had the Borowetsky. Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe they could call him back to do it. Oh, they took a lot of heat for that oh, one too. Eh? You know why? They should have. Yes. Uh, yeah. What's it? Say his name. I always Borowetsky. Thank Borowetsky. you. I'm terrible at that one. But uh, has I don't even remember Pierre Maguire really even speaking to the media when he was. You know, introduced. Like no, I barely remember him yeah, talking I don't at think all. They, they really did. Delightful. I don't think they they <laughs> they did anything major like that. But yeah. he 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 he. The first couple of weeks, he did get out there, whether yeah. it was the athletic or a couple of local things. But he got out there. I mean, you gotta you you think that you gotta come like you taught you said that your rebuild was over here and you're the worst team in the league points percentage wise here. You think you'd come out and maybe. Talk to the media. Talk about Murray. Talk about some other things. It seems to be time. Well, you gotta you gotta alleviate the hard questions on DJ. Big time, coach. DJ he's Smith. every day. Oh my gosh, he's eating it more than the pizza that I ate this Still afternoon. Still sitting like a rock without, by the without way. corn on it this time. But like, if you're a DJ, you can't just point at your roster and be like, "What do you want me to do?" <laughs> Look at this mess. But I mean, that he's got to be thinking that. The um, you know what what kills me is like, is there ever any history? of an organization bringing in someone who almost felt in an adversarial position. And I actually think about Toronto where Dubas and Lamarillo were so direct opposites, clearly two different philosophical people and how they wanted a team to be run. And eventually someone had to go. That was just inevitable. And that's kind of what I feel like has gone on in Ottawa is that Melnick brings in McGuire. Dorian wasn't the guy who chose him. And eventually it's going to bubble over. Like in Yes. The- and we know who's going to win. I don't. I don't. Oh, no, you do. I assume Melnick wins because he's the owner, so he picks his guy. So what, McGuire it, wins? Absolutely. Oh, I did, right? not, I did not see that. Who hired the one, latest hiring, handpicked Pierre McGuire to you? Eugene Melnick? Be the GM? Wow. What have we done here today? We have come to some conclusion by the first break. But it won't happen anytime soon. Don't look for that to happen anytime soon because no. – uh, Dorian just re-upped on a on a three-year deal. So they're just in a bad marriage now for Yes. It'll be for the next little while, work it um, work it out amongst yourselves. Press, play play press nice boxes on the opposite side of the play nice in the sandbox. Yikes. That doesn't sound awesome. Okay, let's let's take a quick break. Mike Russo, NHL Minnesota Wild. He writes for them and he writes for the athletic. He's going to tell us why at 16-6-1, this team will be better positioned tomorrow night to show the Leafs what Colorado apparently couldn't. That and more after the break. You're listening to Real Kipper and Bourne. The code word for today's episode to text 59590 to qualify for your shot to win Leafs Blue Jackets tickets on December 7th is icing.
Russo momentarily. Hockey writer for the Minnesota Wild. The Athletic. I don't think I've ever asked you, do you like our intro music? Might be a little, a little too harsh for me. It's it's intense. It's I don't know. I don't know. It's way too intense, I think. <laughs> that might be a little. We might have to like have a few options. Yeah. Let's mind. let's play it for Mike Russo. See what he thinks. All right, Russo, intro music. Ladies and gentlemen, Russo. <laughs> it's like we're at a heavy metal concert or something. Is that working for you, Mike? Yeah, I love it. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Does it remind you of the Minnesota Wild? Yep, just absolutely raging right now. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, I, I saw these tweets from Doug McLean on the beach. Are you not working them anymore or what? I re- he's, it's the glue factory, buddy. It's over. <laughs> he's done. He's done. You had, his, you, had, you had your fill of him too, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I covered him for a long time down in Florida. I actually had Tom Fitzgerald on my podcast yesterday. We were talking... Doug McLean stories, and then I was talking to Lindy Ruff after, and, you know, Lindy obviously worked with Doug, and uh, it's just a, it really is amazing how long we've all known each other, I and mean, I started covering those guys in 95, and here we are in 2021, and we're all still in the game somehow. Yeah, I feel I feel privileged to be a part of these conversations. I, I kind of feel like a third <laughs> wheel when Kipper has, we have Doug on here, and those two start chatting, but... Um, We'll take our chance to ask you about the Minnesota Wild. We we were started to do a Wild preview before you came on, and we had crickets, man. We were focusing on the Leafs pretty heavy up here. Uh, obviously, great <laughs> great run first in the in the Central right now. What can you tell us about how the season has gone for Minnesota? Well, it's been really good, especially lately. Uh, you know, the past two teams in the league since the start of November are Toronto and Minnesota. Uh, Toronto had the best points percentage in November. Uh, Wild are right on their tail. Wild at the most goals in the league since early November. Um, and that's been the biggest difference. I mean, this team, <laughs> they don't win 2-1 anywhere. They, they score five goals a night. Um, they have 28 goals in their last five home games. Um, you know, they've just been really, really good. And the difference with this team is that it's, you know, they don't just need to rely on Kaprizov and Fiala to get it done. I mean, they've got 31 goals between Eric Sinek, Foligno, and Ryan Hartman. Mm-hmm. And, their depth is like uh, nothing I've seen. Uh, most, I think most uh, double-digit point-getters in the league, um, their defensemen are second in the league in points. They're suddenly getting outstanding goaltending from both Talbot and, and Kakinen. And, um, you know, if they could only get their power play going, they'd be really dominant. But five-on-five, five, they're as good as it gets. And so, you know, I, I think it is pretty unexpected. But, look, Bill Guerin has done a lot of work in trying to get the old guard out of here and change things up. And they are a fast, entertaining, uh, very deep team right now, which is, um, you know, nothing that we've seen here in Minnesota for a long, long time. And that's why I think a lot of fans here in Minnesota and, and even the players on this team are really looking forward to see um, how they match up against the Maple Leafs tomorrow, who've just been unbelievable, you know, uh, 15 of the last 17. And so tomorrow is probably their first, they played a lot of good teams this year, but this tomorrow to me is their real big first measuring stick in a long, long time. This team's riding high, but but so is Toronto, and we'll see how they stack up. Usually in games like this, hottest stars win. So uh, you mentioned Kaprizov. First of all, Mike, it's not very seldom that we see a, a guy come into the league one year, you know, less than a point a game, 
be in a position to sign nine million dollar contracts. <laughs> so it was it was very um, well known that this was a, an incredible negotiation battle between the two sides. It certainly looked like he won. Uh, how's the second year going and the pressure that comes with it? Yeah, it got, he got off to a slow start, didn't score in his first eight games, uh, but was getting a ton of assists. And now he's absolutely on fire. Uh, most points in the league since November 18th, uh, 17 points in that eight-game eight span. Um, last night he could have had 10 points. Uh, last night's the best game I've seen him play. I mean, he was just dominant. Uh, that line last night with Hartman and Zuccarello, honestly, it felt like they were creating five scoring chances a shift. And, um, you know, Hartman's been great in large part because of Kaprizov. Um, but, you're, but you're right. Uh, contract in NHL history for somebody with as little evidence. Uh, you know, 55 games getting $9 million a year, that's pretty unheard of. Um, and uh, and he comes in with the big ticket, and he got off to the slow start. I think, uh, you know, he had a little fat cat syndrome to start the season off, and, and now, you know, really as good as we've seen him play. And um, I give Dean Everson a lot of credit for that, Nick. Uh, you know, uh, eight, nine games ago against San Jose was the worst game I've ever seen Kaprizov play. Uh, lack of effort, no scoring chances, wasn't skating, uh, was really, really bad. And uh, Dean Evison, the next night, uh, the next game against the Dallas Stars, put him on the third line, took him away from Zuccarello, which is his security blanket. And uh, Kaprizov responds with four points, and he has 17 cents. And, uh, you know, I think that Kaprizov handled it extremely maturely, um, heard the message loud and clear, and just became a much, much better player since then. Of the interesting names for Leafs fans to watch tomorrow, one of them has to be uh, Eric Sinek, uh, you know, a guy who ta- yeah. was talked about in the Selkie conversation a bit last year. You know, I, we get some sport logic data here. He's, uh, he's second in the NHL in rebound chances behind Austin Matthews. So he's a guy who plays a certain way. He's around the blue paint. Um, he, he seems like he's been a, a tentpole player for the, the, re- or the different-looking Minnesota Wild team. Yep, absolutely. 19 goals last year, and he's picked up where he left off this year. Um, you know, they started him, tried to make him the first-line center with Kaprizov and Zuccarello. It was okay. didn't work uh, seamlessly. Um, then they put him back on his line with Jordan Greenway and Marcus Foligno that he was on last year, which was one of the best lines in hockey in terms of defensive um, responsibilities and matchups. And the Wild are not a hard matchup uh, team, but I've got to think that, that Austin Matthews' line is going to see plenty of Eric Snack tomorrow. Um, not only is he a great offensive player, but this is one of the best defensive players in the league, fourth last year in Selkie voting. He drapes himself on opponents. Um, he drives opponents absolutely bonkers. And it's, it's not because he's dirty. It's not because he talks smack. It's just because he's always there. He's a shadow. And, um, you know, he come, he's in impeccable shape, extremely fast, um, hard to play against, uh, physical. Um, and then, as you mentioned, on the offensive side of the puck, he knows his job. He goes right to the net. And he scores huge goals for this team, especially in the third period the last couple of years, tying goals, extra attacker goals. Um, he's just been great and, and um, is one big reason why this team, without Kevin Fiala playing well, um, one big reason why this team has really uh, you know, gotten to the top of the Western Conference is that you know, they have just the depth on every single line. Every single line is physical. Every single line can skate. And every single line can score. And um, and Eric Sinek is really, a lot of ways, the engine of this team. Michael Russo from the Minnesota Wild, uh, 
and the Athletic uh, joining us now. Mike, have you seen enough through uh, Thanksgiving at the Central Division to have a feel where you think things might end up compared to where you thought they were before the season started? And I include noticing where Colorado and Winnipeg are right now. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the first thing that came to my mind is that I had Colorado and Winnipeg 1-2 in the division. And I'm very surprised, especially the way that Winnipeg has played this year. Um, You know, really in a funk right now. Um, just we've seen them a couple times. They've looked terrible. Um, and, uh, you know, so I don't know exactly what's going on there. Colorado, I think, has some excuses. Uh, you know, uh, Kemper has started off not very good. Now he's hurt. McKinnon's been in and out of the lineup. I still think at the end of the day they're going to eventually catch fire as long as Kemper comes back to the lineup. Um, St. Louis has surprised me. I thought they'd take a step back, but they're right on the wild's tail. Um, I thought Dallas would be better. They've, they've, they've been really good at home, not great on the road. Um, and then obviously Minnesota has completely surprised me. I just, you know, I thought that with the number of changes that they made, especially on the back end, losing guys like, you know, obviously Ryan Suter being bought out, but Carson Susie, Ian Cole, and then to replace them with Galagoski, uh, Jordy Ben, Johnny Merrill, uh, Dmitry Kulikov, I, I, I thought they would take a step back defensively. And yet they, these four defensemen have been really, really good for them. Galagoski has been great. Kulikov has been great. Jordy Ben played one game. Spurgeon gets hurt. They literally dust the guy off from the press box, and he comes in. He's been outstanding the last six games. And then John Merrill, um, who, you know, I think Montreal fans would say wasn't very good for them in the playoffs last year. He comes in. He plays on the third pair with Kulikov. Spurgeon gets hurt. They put him on the top pair with Goligoski the last six games, and he's been outstanding. So um, Minnesota has really surprised me. But I think at the end of the day, while they're going to win this division, and um, and put themselves in a position to get some home ice advantage in the playoffs. Well, so looking at that, then like they look like one of the few teams who should have a little bit, a little bit of cap space at the deadline. If I'm not mistaken, is it yeah. possible that this, we're looking at a buyer in the Minnesota Wild come deadline time? Yeah, I think so, and I think right now that window is open for them to do that because they have such a cap squeeze in the next three years because of the Parisian suitor buyout. So in the next three years, they're going to have to really fill out this roster with some of their entry-level prospects, the Rossies, the Boldies, the Beckmans. So to me, now is the time to make some noise. Go on. You know, I really think that if they can get a center, that this team could be a true contender in the playoffs. I mean, you got to figure that Colorado is going to be still a team to beat, and when Eichel comes back for Vegas, that you're going to have to go through those teams. And to me, um, you still got to got to figure out a way to match up with that. And so, if they can go out and get a Hurdle or a, a JT Miller or somebody like that, it absolutely makes sense for me to do it. Um, you know, the other thing is that you know it, a Hurdle makes sense. You're going to have to probably trade futures. Um, Miller doesn't work unless you're giving up significant salary off the team. So it would have to be like a Fiala or a Greenway or even a combination of that. But um, but I, I do think that Phil Garen is starting to look at the market and realize that this team is pretty good. And, um, you know, if what he could do from behind the scenes to help them uh, spur them along in a, play, in a postseason where all Wild fans would even caution you as excited as they are about this team that uh, has been that the playoffs have been a sore disappointment for this team the last nine years, only gotten past the first round twice. So really, until they show up in the playoffs, I don't think Wild fans are going to truly buy it. And so if Bill Guerin can do something to help this team get over the hump, I think that he'll absolutely make that move this year. Hey, Mike, the feeling for uh, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs up here uh, going into the season was between Campbell and Mrazek, there's going to be a 1-1-A. One and I look at the Minnesota Wild, and although Talbot certainly uh, is is the guy, 
Uh, his pay is is around a one and a one A. Is there a yep. sense that Calvert, uh, Talbot's good enough to be the man to take Minnesota a Stanley Cup final or even win it now? Yeah, it's funny that you said that because I get a lot of questions asking if the Wild will go after like a Mark Andre Fleury or something like that, and I just have trouble seeing it, especially because Talbot's got term left on his deal. You know, Talbot was really good in the playoffs last year against Vegas. Uh, you know, they certainly didn't lose that series because of him. And I just think they've committed to him. I think they believe in him. You know, he got off to a slow start this year. A lot of lot of wins, which is the most important category uh, for a goalie. But uh, giving up some big goals, um, you know, bad goals, things like that. Stuff we didn't see from him last year. But yet, in these games, like the Wild have seven, six on five goals this year and have come back with some miraculous victories, um, you know, late late in games, forcing overtime, things like that. And when it counts, Talbot's been absolutely awesome. And so, and suddenly, you know, Kakinen, who, who really fell apart last year after winning nine in a row at one point, um, you know, now he's suddenly back to playing really quality hockey, you know, really good last night, really good uh, two games ago against Tampa Bay excuse me, um, against Arizona. And so, I, you know, I think that right now they're going to stick with Well, uh-oh. Chances, uh, like a lot of wild fans, a lot of wild uh, teams have done in the past. That's great. The, I'm looking tomorrow for, for one thing from you. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit about something. You know, I haven't watched a ton of wild games. Is there one thing that I, I should keep my eye out for, something the team does particularly well or different from years past when I've been watching the Minnesota Wild? What's a, what should I draw my eye towards tomorrow night? Just that usually they play in the offensive zone. I mean, it's every yeah. line. They're, you know, it's funny. We talk about the identity line in New York. I'll tell you what, their fourth line with Duham, Sturm, and Bukestad have been unbelievable this year, and they're in a lot of ways a big thing, big reason why this team spends so much time in the offensive zone. So they come at you in waves, and that's why I'm really intrigued to just see if they could do that against a star power team like Toronto tomorrow because, you know, this team, uh, this team is just getting so many goals contributed from all four lines, and um, and that's the thing is that they're extremely hard to check because they're so deep and they don't have that true superstar. So you really have to pay. You know, you if you if you try to bottle up Kaprizov, those other three lines could beat you easily, and that's going to be what I'm going to look for tomorrow if that continues against Toronto, or if all of a sudden they play a superstar caliber team and just wind up you know, falling apart at the scenes. We'll see. Does the blue line get enough credit, Mike? Obviously no Ryan Suter there anymore, and he sucked a lot of oxygen um, in in past years, but uh, it doesn't necessarily – I don't necessarily think that it gets talked enough about this blue line. Yeah, especially because the last four or five years they've been really, you know, one or two in the league in points, and here they have a bunch of different changes this year, and they're still one or two in points. Um, Brodine and Dumba have been really good. Like, Brodine has been just outstanding this year, and for the Wild to lose Jared Spurgeon, which is one of their most important players the last six or seven games, and to not miss a beat, I think is pretty impressive. So I don't think they get enough credit. Um, uh, you know, Kulikov and Ben and Merrill deserve a lot of credit. Goligoski's stepped in and really been good. He's had, he just, you know, he came back from injury and he had a couple games where he was just getting footing. Um, you know, got, getting points every night and just uh, such a pro. And, um, yeah, so I don't think they've gotten a lot of credit, but they're a big reason, you know, why uh, this team is where it is right now in the standings. Looking forward to the Leafs versus the Minnesota Wild Saturday night. Uh, Mike, thanks for doing this. Thanks, Russo. Yep. See you, guys. Take care. All right, Mike Russo from The Athletic.
writer for the Minnesota Wild. Did you were you unplugging him on purpose? Is that what happened, Sammy? I think he was driving. You know what I know about the Minnesota Wild now? Nothing. Everything. Everything. I know everything. (laughs) That was a breakdown. Like, I actually feel somewhat informed. You do? I do. I don't know. It's still the Minnesota Wild. So whatever he said to look for, I I forgot. (laughs) That's cruel, man. No, I'm just kidding. That was a ton of good stuff. I'm just kidding. The thing that interests me is that he said they play in the offensive zone all the time. Which is the Leafs thing. So who will do it more? Well, let me pull up um, stats for you really quick on that. The Leafs in offensive zone time are third in the NHL. The Wild are fifth. So, yes, there you go. Something's going to give. That's fun. Would be a neutral zone battle? <laughs> just <laughs> swirl both ways. A bunch of dump and chase and the whole just night. a wild game the, the, of your. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not anymore, Derek. Against Colorado, they did have some good looks against the Leafs. Uh, and either it was blocked or Jack made a terrific save. Yeah. But other than that, they haven't spent a whole heck of a lot of time in their own zone, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, it's been the one thing that we have said we had concerns about is, you know, they they transition the puck so well, they play in the other end so much, and in those scenarios, Dermot, Lilligren, Sandine, not an issue. The issue is what happens when you play good teams who spend a lot of time in your zone? Do those guys get exposed? We haven't really seen that enough yet. All right, um, at- I, oh, I just wanted to say that. Go ahead. When you were talking to me, like, tell me about the decor. And I was just like, yes. Please tell me. Who are some of the names? <laughs> but like, I know Brodine. I know Dumba. Obviously, those two guys are. But he's like, cool. Look, I'm like, oh, he plays it. Golagoski's oh, got 16 points I'm in like, 20 oh, games. Oh, he plays there too. And Ben. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I'm, sometimes I'm, I shake my head at 32 teams. Well, this is great that we have a Leaf show because I feel less responsibility. When I was on Hockey Central, as I'm sure when you were on Hockey yeah. Central, it was like, of course I know what's going on with Nashville's fourth line. It's like, ah, I guess I don't watch. have to stay up late for that Squids-Jets game tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that bed's looking pretty good. And I wonder why that show got canceled. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't got, get canceled. It took a serious pay cut. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, are we contractually obligated to get J.D. Bunkus on this show? No, but... who Who... Does yeah. he have we have, we have pictures? Or does he have pictures of your family? Why I does this guy know. keep getting He's on our friend. show? He's my friend. We're we're into who gives a crap? It's Friday, <laughs> so this is this is perfect to slide him in. Called bunk. What else we got going after the break? There. All right, Sammy boy. People have been doing this unprompted, which I already love. But after bunk, we're gonna be reading your texts. So already got a ton. But Friday text, Friday please, pizza, Friday text. So please text the show five ninety five ninety. Give us you know, give us your hot take. You know. Weigh in on if you're believing in the Leafs, like I was talking about yesterday. Weigh in on that. You know, whatever, whatever you want. Anything league-wide. You know, your favorite cameo in a movie of a hockey player that gave us, you know, 25 minutes of content last week. Yeah. Anything you want. Weigh in. If if I worked for Sportsnet Sales, I would sell text to a pizza company. We already do Friday pizza. <laughs> we do Friday text. Wow. My favorite. Panago, get my on My favorite board. pizza pizza. We'll, uh, they'll, they'll buy it soon. Oh, man. And wherever, I'm not knocking any brands. And wherever you're picking up our fine podcast platform, we want a rating and review. Yes. Specifically, five and, and a great job, a- after Sammy. After the break, I'm going to read one of them. Oh. Sammy told me, no, you're not. I said, yeah, I am. <laughs> and he says, no, you're not. And I said, yeah, I am. And I'm going to pick whatever one I like, good or bad. Kipper gives Sammy the producer squirms once a show. <laughs> he was never comfortable till he does it. <laughs> the beads of sweat are rolling down my, my head now. Have we been canceled yet? No. There. Well, it's a miracle. 
<laughs> Can we go true. back to what Doug McLean said? What's that? Trust. Mm. What's missing in Ottawa? Trust. Mm-hmm. And you want it in it's here with us? We have, what we best. have here? <laughs> not quite trust. <laughs> What's we're the difference between trust. non-trust and trust? Uh, you know, it's a, I'm working towards it. Yeah, we're making progress. Okay. Okay. J.D. Bunkus. Mean tweets. Yep. Rating and reviews. All after the break on The Real Kipper and Born Show. <laughs>